Hello, and a grand medieval welcome to all our listeners out there. I'm your host, Kit Ferguson, here on Culinary Cuisine Journey. Today, on Throwback Thursday, we're stepping into a time machine to transport ourselves back to the Middle Ages. Imagine grand halls illuminated by flickering candlelight, tables laden with the most lavish spreads, and a buzz of excitement in the air. Welcome to the opulent world of medieval banquets. In this episode, we're not just talking about food. We're unraveling a tapestry of history, culture, and culinary extravagance. Medieval feasts were not just meals. They were grandiose events steeped in tradition and social customs. These banquets were a spectacle of the times, showcasing power, wealth, and the art of hospitality. Today, we'll embark on a gastronomic journey to explore these majestic feasts. We'll discover what was served on those grand tables, how it was prepared, and the intricate social rituals that surrounded these events. Imagine the clinking of goblets, the aroma of roasted meats mingling with sweet perfumes, and the sound of lutes and lyres setting the mood. The medieval banquet hall was a sensory overload a place where the elite of society displayed their status and the common folk found joy in simpler gatherings. We'll also delve into the cookbooks of the era, decoding recipes that have stood the test of time. From spiced wines to intricately prepared meats and pies, the medieval kitchen was a place of creativity and innovation. So, don your finest tunics and gowns and prepare to be whisked away to an era where dining was a spectacle and every meal told a story of power, politics, and pleasure. This is not just a feast for the stomach, but a feast for the imagination. Stay with me as we unveil the mysteries and marvels of medieval feasts. It's time to raise the curtain on this historical culinary adventure. Let's begin our journey into the opulent world of medieval banquets. Imagine a grand castle hall, its stone walls echoing with anticipation. The air is thick with the scents of roasting meat and sweet spices, and tapestries adorn the walls, depicting scenes of hunts and battles, adding a touch of color and grandeur to the austere surroundings. In the Middle Ages, a feast was much more than just a meal. It was an event where the lines of social class and power were both defined and displayed. These banquets were held in large halls, the heart of the medieval castle, and were as much about politics and social hierarchy as they were about food and merriment. At the end of the hall sits the high table, reserved for the lord of the castle, his family, and esteemed guests, elevated both physically and symbolically. It's a place of honor and power. The Lord, dressed in his finest attire, is not just a host, but a symbol of authority and wealth. As the guests enter, the air of formality is palpable. These banquets are gatherings of the elite, showcasing not only the culinary skills of the cooks, but also the wealth and influence of the host. The tables were set with an array of utensils, more for show than functionality. Knives and spoons are common, but forks are yet to find their place at the medieval table. Plates are not the ceramic or porcelain we know today, but rather slices of stale bread called trenchers, which soak up the juices and gravies of the meal and are often given to the poor after the feast. As the guests take their seats, according to their social rank, heralds and musicians take their place, 
ready to entertain the assembly throughout the evening. The atmosphere is lively yet formal, a dance of etiquette and enjoyment. The banquet is also a sensory experience. Brightly colored dishes are not just about taste, they are visual delights, often dyed with expensive saffron or decorated with gold leaf. These are not merely dishes, they are statements of wealth and opulence. The medieval banquet is a feast for the eyes as much as for the stomach. At these feasts, food is a tool of diplomacy and alliance building. A shared meal is a shared bond, and the act of breaking bread with someone is a sign of trust and mutual respect. The menu is carefully planned to impress and indulge the guests, featuring exotic ingredients that speak of the host's wealth and connections. As the first course is served, the hall fills with the sounds of enjoyment, the clinking of cups, and the hum of conversation. The feast is not just a meal, it's a meticulously orchestrated event, a display of power and a celebration of culture and community. In this segment, we've set the stage for our journey into the world of medieval banquets. As we delve deeper into the specifics of the feast, we will uncover the layers of tradition, culinary art, and social customs that define these magnificent medieval events. Let's dive into the heart of the medieval banquet, the feast itself. The courses are not just meals, but acts in a grand play, each with its own significance and spectacle. The feast typically begins with an array of starters or entremets, which are more about theatrical presentation than sustenance. These dishes are meant to amuse and surprise the guests. Imagine a peacock, feathers and all, roasted and then redressed in its own skin and plumage, or a pie that, when opened, releases a flock of live birds. These are not just dishes. They are performances, blending culinary skill with entertainment. Following the entremets, the main courses make their grand entrance. Unlike modern dining, medieval feasts don't follow a strict sequence of courses. Instead, a variety of dishes are served simultaneously. Large roasts of meat are the stars of the show. Venison, boar, and beef, often accompanied by rich sauces made from wine, fruit, and spices. The meats are seasoned with what we might now consider unusual combinations of sweet and savory. Fruits cooked into meat stews or meats coated in sugary glazes. Fish, too, especially on days of religious observance, is prepared in elaborate ways. Pike or eel might be served jellied or in pies, adorned with sauces rich in spices like cloves, cinnamon, and mace. These spices, expensive and exotic, are not just flavorings, they are symbols of wealth and status. Vegetables and grains play supporting roles, but with no less attention to preparation. Pottages, thick, hearty stews of grains like barley or oats, mixed with vegetables and sometimes meat, are a staple. Then there are dishes like frumenti, a type of wheat porridge that is often served with venison. Cooking techniques of the time rely heavily on open-fire roasting and boiling. The absence of modern ovens means that breads and pies are baked in large communal ovens, and meats are often cooked over open flames, giving them a distinctive smoky flavor. The culmination of the feast is the display of sweet dishes. Marshpane, an early form of marzipan, is molded into elaborate sculptures. 
Fritters, candied fruits, and sweet custards are served, showcasing the medieval love for sugar, which was an expensive luxury at the time. Throughout the feast, there's an abundance of ale and wine, spiced and sweetened. Spiced wines, known as hypocras, are popular, believed to aid digestion of the heavy meal. In this segment, we've seen how the medieval feast is a symphony of taste, textures, and visual drama. It's a testament to the creativity and resourcefulness of medieval cooks who, without the convenience of modern kitchens, were able to create a culinary experience that was as much about spectacle as it was about flavor. As the feast continues, let's turn our attention to the other vital aspects of these medieval gatherings, the entertainment and the etiquette that governed these opulent events. Medieval banquets were not just about the food. They were multi-sensory experiences where music, performance, and social rituals played significant roles. Entertainment was a crucial element, with minstrels, jesters, and troubadours providing music and merriment. They would weave through the tables performing songs, telling stories, or reciting poetry, often related to chivalric and romantic themes popular in medieval lore. In more lavish feasts, acrobats or magicians might perform, adding to the evening's fantastical atmosphere. At the same time, these banquets were bound by a complex web of etiquette and social norms. The seating arrangement was a critical aspect, reflecting the social hierarchy. The high table, as mentioned earlier, was reserved for the nobility and special guests. Lower-ranking guests sat at tables further away, a physical manifestation of their place in the social order. Dining etiquette, though different from today's standards, was equally stringent. Eating was primarily done with the hands, as forks were not commonly used for dining in medieval Europe. Knives and spoons were the main utensils, and it was common to share these, along with cups and trenchers. Despite the communal nature of these items, there were strict rules governing their use. For instance, it was considered polite to wipe your knife on a piece of bread before using it for a different dish. Table manners extended to the behavior expected at these feasts. While modern perceptions might paint medieval dining as a rowdy free-for-all affair, there were expectations of decorum polite conversation, refined behavior, and a certain degree of restraint were expected, particularly at the higher tables. Interestingly, these banquets also featured a unique role, that of the carver. Carvings was not just a practical task, but a highly respected skill. The carver, often a young nobleman, was responsible for elegantly cutting the meat and serving it to the guests, a task that required both skill and knowledge of the etiquette of serving. In this segment, we've glimpsed the rich tapestry of entertainment and etiquette that made medieval banquets such intricate and fascinating events. There were occasions where every element, from the food and music to the seating arrangements and manners, was imbued with meaning and significance, reflecting the complex social structures and cultural norms of the Middle Ages. As our journey through the medieval banquet draws to a close, let's consider the enduring legacy and influence of these feasts on modern culinary and cultural practices. The medieval banquet, with its grandeur and intricacy, laid the foundation for many aspects of contemporary cuisine and dining rituals. Medieval feasting has left a significant imprint on contemporary culinary arts. The concept of courses in a meal, though now more structured and less abundant, can be traced back to these medieval gatherings. 
the idea of pairing specific foods with certain types of wine, a cornerstone of modern gastronomy, also has its roots in these banquets. Chefs today still draw inspiration from medieval cooking methods and recipes, reimagining them for contemporary palates. In regions across Europe, many dishes that originated in the Middle Ages remain part of traditional cuisine. For instance, the British Christmas pudding and various forms of European meat pies echo the medieval penchant for mixing sweet and savory flavors. The use of spices, though more balanced now, continues to be influenced by medieval tastes. There are numerous misconceptions about medieval cuisine that color our understanding of the era. Contrary to popular belief, not all medieval food was heavily spiced to mask the taste of spoiled meat. In fact, spices were often used to demonstrate wealth and status, and meats were typically fresh or preserved through smoking, salting, or drying. Another common misconception is that medieval food was unsophisticated and crude. On the contrary, medieval cooks were highly skilled and inventive, creating complex dishes that combined a variety of ingredients and flavors. The medieval banquet has been a popular subject in literature and media, often depicted as a scene of excess and merriment. These portrayals, while sometimes exaggerated, capture the essence of the grandeur and social significance of these events. They also help keep the fascination with medieval cuisine alive, inspiring chefs, historians, and enthusiasts to delve deeper into this rich culinary heritage. In recent years, there has been growing interest in reenacting medieval feasts as a form of educational and cultural exploration. These events, often held at historical sites, provide a hands-on experience of medieval life, cuisine, and entertainment. They offer a glimpse into the complexities of medieval society and the culinary practices of the time. The medieval banquet was more than just a series of meals. It was an elaborate display of power, a celebration of culture, and a testament to the culinary skills of the era. Its influence extends far beyond its time, leaving an indelible mark on the culinary traditions and dining practices we know today. As we reflect on the opulence and intricacy of these feasts, we gain a deeper appreciation for the history of cuisine and the way in which it was evolved and adapted through the ages. This exploration into medieval banquets not only satisfies our curiosity about the past, but also enriches our understanding of the present. It reminds us that food is not just sustenance, but a powerful connector through time, a medium through which we can explore and experience the richness of human culture and history. As we conclude our exploration of medieval banquets, we've journeyed through the grandeur of noble feasts, experienced the exuberance of courtly entertainment, and glimpsed into the simpler yet rich culinary traditions of the common folk. These banquets, a tapestry of history and flavor, remind us of the intricate relationship between food, culture, and society during the medieval era. They were more than just meals. They were expressions of power, celebrations of seasons, and reflections of the social order. The legacy of these grand feasts continues to influence our culinary practices and dining experiences, reminding us of a time when every meal was a grand occasion steeped in ritual and splendor. As we close the doors to the grand banquet halls of the Middle Ages, our culinary journey is far from over. Join us next time on Culinary Cuisine Journey as we embark on a fascinating exploration 
of Japanese Peruvian cuisine, also known as Nikkei cuisine. We'll dive into the unique fusion of flavors, techniques, and culinary traditions that arose from the blending of Japanese and Peruvian cultures, creating a gastronomic experience unlike any other. From the fresh, vibrant flavors of ceviche to the delicate artistry of sushi, discover how these two cuisines harmoniously meld to create something truly extraordinary. It's a journey that promises to be as enlightening as it is delicious. Thank you for tuning in. And until our next culinary adventure, keep exploring the diverse and rich flavors that our world has to offer. Goodbye for now. And remember, the best stories are often found not in pages of a book, but in the flavors of our global culinary heritage.